The pandemic dealt a big blow to the diamond industry last year. With every link in the supply chain, from Russian miners to India's diamond cutters to luxury boutiques in New York being closed or seeing activity curtailed. But demand for diamond jewelry has been steadily recovering since retailers began reopening last summer in Asia, tentatively followed by elsewhere in the world. With international vacations on ice and restaurants in many parts of the world still closed, wealthy individuals are buying diamonds with surprising veracity. And the outlook is even better. The consulting group Bain recently stated in its annual report on diamonds that diamond jewelry demand will recover to pre-pandemic levels between 2022 and 2024. While the pandemic slammed the diamond jewelry market hard, the sales dropping 15% from 2019, it actually performed better than personal luxury, which includes watches, apparel, and accessories, which saw sales fall 22% year on year. Here today to talk about all things diamonds is my guest David Kelly, Chief Executive Officer of the Natural Diamond Council, which is the authority and resource on natural diamonds. David has over 30 years experience in marketing esteemed consumer brands around the world. David joined the NDC in late 2019 from the Watches of Switzerland group, where he oversaw the marketing launch of the UK's largest luxury timepiece retailer into the US. Prior to that, he spent 15 years with Ralph Lauren, initially in Geneva and later in New York, where he led the global marketing and advertising teams across the full portfolio of brands and business. Welcome to The Luxury Item, David. Hi, Scott. It's, uh, it's, it's great to hear from you, and, uh, and thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I want to jump right into it. Um, you know, what is the mission of the Natural Diamond Council? I know it was previously called the Diamond Producers Association before you changed the name last year with a big rebranding campaign. I remember it only Natural Diamonds, I think, was the name of it. So what is the council's purpose? Yeah, I mean, we're an unusual entity um, in the luxury industry. Uh, the, the diamond jewelry industry is around 75 to $80 billion globally. Um, and our, our dynamic is slightly different from most other luxury industries that I know you're heavily involved in. And that is that we are, uh, we have luxury brands, the likes of Bulgari and Cartier, uh, Tiffany, um, at, at the high end of it. Uh, we have designers, we have retailers, but a lot of diamond jewelry that is bought is, is generic in terms of it, it's unbranded. So I, I, it, we are an unusual category that there's not many categories of, of consumer goods that are bought uh, today that are, are unbranded in the same way that diamond jewelry is. And, I, and I, that goes from everything from groceries up the way. Um, and so because of that, we, uh, the Natural Diamond Council, formerly the Diamond Producers Association, our mission is to promote the, uh, the diamond jewelry category. Um, we do that through inspiring consumers, educating them on the values of, of, of diamonds, particularly natural diamonds. Um, and it's all about really engaging them into our world, our narrative, um, around everything that goes on in the industry. So, but simply, I guess, with a marketing agency for, for an industry, it's, it's a, a significant industry. As I said, it's, it's getting them towards $80 billion. It employs uh, tens of millions of people around the world. Uh, there's, there's families and communities that are all depend on it for em employment. So, um, so it's, it's a big role um, in what we do, but it, it's one that we, we take very seriously uh, and we enjoy doing. And you joined as CEO at the end of 2019, coming from Watches of Switzerland. Very interesting timing. Um, you know, what, so what were you tasked with when you initially joined the organization? It was right before the pandemic. 
Yeah, really, um, really the challenge is uh, for us was to how do we engage uh, a younger audience, uh, Gen Z, millennials. Um, as you know, the luxury market has expanded rapidly over the last 10 years, which is great for the luxury industry, but there's also heavy competition. And, and I include in things like cell phones and uh, uh, travel experiences. So to so Donovan Jewelry has, has, has a lot of competition. Um, I think uh, in all honesty, the diamond jewelry industry has been one of the slower to adopt um, digital platforms. Yes. And so really it was about, okay, we've got to reach this audience. How do we do it? How do we be masters of, of the digital world as well as being major advertisers? Um, and that really threw up so many opportunities for us. It, it's initially you think of it as a, as a challenge. If, if you're not selling product, if you're not a retailer, you're not a brand, then, then who are you? And what are you? And for us, it throws out a, an incredible opportunity because it means that we are the, the brand agnostic, the retail agnostic platform to tell all the great narratives around the industry. So, so for us, it was really just about how do we master these platforms? How do we become, how do we bring in the expertise, uh, um, educate all of our teams to say, how do we really master the digital world such that uh, we're constantly engaging consumers in the wonders of, of this industry. And then you were soon after that, you were thrown this curveball where the coronavirus pandemic dragged the diamond industry to, you know, near full stop, you know, mine shuttered, disrupted supply chains and jewelry stores closed their doors. And the world's biggest gem producers were sitting on billions of dollars worth of excess inventory. So this was obviously unexpected. So what role did the Natural Diamond Council play during the pandemic? So yeah, I, I hope the industry doesn't see me as a bad omen because you're right. Within within two months of uh, of me taking over in this role, um, the world pretty much closed down. And uh, but that that threw open new opportunities. Actually, it was it was a very like for everybody. It was a very interesting time, uh, challenging to balance the the huge health issues, the uh, the the challenges throughout the industry. When you're a global industry like we are with um, where you, you source the goods in, in remote corners of the world where manufacturing and polishing is done uh, in different markets around the world. Having a global pandemic was, was really challenging. And, um, and from the NDC point of view in particular, just at the point where we were looking to relaunch ourselves, rebrand ourselves, um, change everything that we were doing. So in March, we were hit like everybody else uh, with the pandemic. Um, in terms of the role that actually turned out to be, uh, and I use the term very loosely because notwithstanding the huge impact it's had on people's lives, but that change actually turned out to be fortuitous for us as the NDC. Um, the way we worked, the speed at which we were able to work, um, the desire for people to partner with us all of a sudden accelerated in that time. And, and sometimes when change on that magnitude happens, so that that gives us opportunities. And, and as I say, whilst I'm, I'm very sensitive to the challenges um, that everyone faced during that time, for us, in reality, we were able to move far quicker, faster, and, um, and, and, and deeper than we probably would have been able to do if, if we hadn't had the crisis to coincide with that relaunch. Yeah, and the good news is the diamond market made a strong recovery in Q4. 
and it likely benefited from consumers who were unable to spend on experiences or travel and use those funds for things like diamonds. And now, even with people you know, being vaccinated and the infection rates declining, the recovery of travel and large crowded activities will be slow. So has the momentum from Q4 carried over into the first few months of 2021? Yeah, I mean, it, it has done. The, the Valentine's Day was the next big moment in the diamond jewelry industry. And, uh, and I think the industry had a record Valentine's Day. So that sentiment has carried forward. Um, I think that growth is, is down to more than just people not being able to spend money on traveling experiences. Uh, what you tend to find in times of crisis is that people search out uh, luxury goods that have lasting and enduring value to them. Um, that short-term endorphin rush, uh, rush of consumption goes away and people are looking for goods that have a longer-term value to them. Um, clearly, we all, we all connected stronger with, with friends, relatives. I think we all grew to appreciate the relationships that we have. And again, whereas, whereas luxury goods can tend to be about self, uh, diamonds and diamond jewellery tend to be about connections between people. So, so we, we believe that was a major, uh, major player into it as well. And, and so, yes, at the moment, the markets are still very strong. We anticipate them being strong uh, as we come out of the pandemic. And thereafter, it's then down to us, is, is my opinion on it, is that um, traveling experiences will open up. Um, and how do we connect diamonds and diamond jewelry into that travel and into experiences? Right. Um, relevancy in our industry is all about being connected with consumer sentiment. And that consumer sentiment ch changes frequently. Um, but what are the, the successful people in this industry have done well is, is always to have their, on the their finger on the pulse of the sentiment and be able to change and connect um, and, 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 and lead in, in those, those areas. So, so for me, I, 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 um, uh, I am very passionate about this industry. I, I'm new to it. Uh, this industry has a, uh, a lot of people that have been in it uh, for a very long time. And I, I'm, uh, I still feel like the intern in this industry uh, with, with my relatively short tenure. But for me, I, I, I just see, um, I see so many opportunities. Uh, because this industry hasn't yet evolved fully in the digital world. Uh, it hasn't yet fully uh, um, integrated into uh, in, uh, to millennial culture. Um, but all of the research that we do, all of the, the work that we do in the digital platforms, uh, the results are incredible. They're, they're far greater than I've experienced elsewhere in the luxury industry, actually. When you do it right in this industry, Consumer engagement is is incredible, and that's what gives me the confidence that uh, we have wonderful narratives, wonderful product, and if we if we get the communication part of it right and we're able to invest properly, then uh, we have a very successful future ahead of us. You know, the good news is, you know, Bain's recent annual report on diamonds, they said 75% of consumers intend to spend either the same amount or more on diamond jewelry than before the crisis. Do you think that is driven more by emotions, you know, people or people looking for hard, hard assets coming out of the crisis, or you think it's something else? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I, I don't think it's hard assets in the literal sense. Um, if you go uh, to India, for example, and, and the jewelry market there is dominated by gold because gold is seen as being a very specific storage of wealth. So yes, it's beautiful to look at, but it's, it's, it's held as a storage of wealth um, in there. 
I don't see diamonds being just a, a hard asset in that sense, um, even though they, they do restore their, they, they do keep their financial value. I see it more a, a, a sense of, um, of a, a long-term storage of emotional value. Um, obviously, I, we did a lot of discussions with our, with our target audience when I first came into the industry. And, and what really interested and excited me was that the insight that's, that diamond buyers, diamond jewelry wearers always have is they always remember, they always know the story behind that diamond and that diamond jewelry. And that stays with them for a lifetime. And whether that's a self-purchase, you know, as a celebration of an achievement, whether it's a gift, whether it's a, a romantic connection, there's always a narrative that goes with it. And, and that's, and it doesn't matter whether that was last year, it doesn't matter whether it was 20 years ago, it, it's like an emotional asset. Um, it's probably the best way to describe it. And of course, even, even beyond a generation, so many diamonds are passed on to the next generation and they might be remodeled into new jewelry, but there's always an emotional sentiment attached to them. And that's what makes them so valuable in the context of, of luxury. And so, so yes, it is, it, it's very much about emotion. It's, um, and for me, that's, that's what makes it so strong because they are both a, a hard good in the sense of um, their decorative value, for want of a better expression, but they just retain that emotional value through um, through a lifetime and through generations. You know, earlier you were talking about how the diamond industry was slow to adopt to digital um, and the, the pandemic actually pushed the diamond industry out of its comfort zone to conduct business online. You know, distance selling and e-commerce were probably sitting in the pipeline somewhere and the pandemic just made it more of a priority. E-commerce made up actually been the industry savior. So what do you see as the next phase in the digital transformation of the diamond industry? Yeah, I mean, we um, not being digitally strong was our strength in one way. Um, jewelry retailers typically are one of the last independent retailers on the high street in America or in malls. Um, and the strength of that as it as, as stands with retail is the connection they have with their, with their clients. And again, I don't know of any any other industry that really has that family to family nature of the connection between retailers, the sales professionals and their clients. And that's always been their strength. Um, the challenge with that is that's that personal connection. Uh, if that's at the expense of also being strong in the digital world, uh, we know that in every market, including diamond jewelry, that consumers like to do research online. Um, and that's both, uh, about trends and styles. It's both through social media platforms for inspiration, but it's also when it comes to shopping, price comparisons, understanding diamonds, how to buy them. If you're buying a diamond for the first time, it, it can be intimidating for people. They, it's a big investment. They want to make sure they're getting the right diamond for the right price. Uh, and they do, they do that research online as well as, well as going into stores. And, and it's making sure that we show up right um, in all of those platforms to, to inspire and educate the consumer. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's the challenge for all marketeers now is that there are so many platforms. There are so many social media platforms, websites, search engines, um, that people get inspiration and education from is, is how do you show up every day in an inspiring way on every one of those platforms? Yeah. And earlier on, you were saying, one of the reasons why, you know, when you started, 
uh, at NTC was that he wanted to start capturing a younger audience. And you know, during the pandemic, in the absence of travel, high net worth millennials were splurging on luxury goods like Louis Vuitton bags and Gucci sneakers and expensive crypto artwork, you know, NFTs. Are they investing in diamonds? Are you seeing that? Starting to see it more, um, you know, because of the work that we're doing, because of the work the industry is doing. Um, diamonds were probably one of the original luxuries. If you look back on the history of diamonds and diamond jewelry, it was, uh, it's got such a great historical legacy, but with that comes an, with, um, an idea of what that is and, and how do you keep the values of that, but also change that to be inspiring to a new world of millennials. So we, we are finding that we are, as I, as I mentioned earlier on, we are finding that all of the work we're doing gets, it gets a, a crazy high engagement from, from consumers. There is, whenever we research, there's, there's, there's a real love for diamonds, but it's making sure that we convert that love into purchase, to going into stores, to, to shopping for diamonds, and really considering diamond jewelry as a, as a, uh, as, as a leading product within the, the luxury industry. American consumers have started to adopt lab-grown diamonds. They say that they don't lead to deforestation or soil erosion, are unlikely to come from countries that are in conflict zones. It's far less expensive than natural diamonds, and that appeals to these cost-conscious millennials. So how does the NDC counter that argument? Yeah, I mean, probably uh, the topic of sustainability is a, uh, is a podcast in its own right, um, particularly at this point in time. Um, every, every industry, every brand is trying to present its sustainability credentials. Um, some do that by, um, by trying to point holes in other people's sustainability credentials. So, and the challenge with that is the consumer's becoming numb to it. It's, uh, and, and that's, that's not good for the world. If, 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 if we don't go about the conversation of sustainability in a truly honest and ethical way, the consumer becoming numb to it, it will be catastrophic for the world. Yeah. And so we take this topic uh, incredibly seriously. Um, there is, it needs to be approached with huge integrity. You have to be honest where there are challenges and, and what you're doing to approach those challenges and, and also be, um, demonstrate the very, very clear and strong narrative on this. And again, for me coming in from outside the industry, I, I, was, uh, I was amazed by the amount of work that's being done on the topic of sustainability over the last 20 years, in fact. This isn't something that's new to this industry um, because they're working with communities uh, in remote places of the world. It, it's, it's quite incredible, the, um, the work that has been done. Uh, clearly, we can't get around the fact that diamonds come from a hole in the ground. That is, that's where diamonds come from. But it's what, it's, it's what happens around that hole in the ground that that should be the real narrative because every every uh, mine that is dug before it, before uh, a mine can even be considered there has to be a, a plan around the wildlife and the uh, um, and the human life that is around it there has to be a plan for what will happen after the end of the life and how that that area is going to be restored to nature and in fact in most cases mines are are restored to a uh, to a, a better natural place than actually when when the mines were opened. 
But as importantly, what happens with the, the communities around the mines? And, and again, some facts that I can share with you that I, I just opened my eyes to, mm-hmm. um, to this world is if you take a country like Botswana, for example, uh, in Southern Africa, one of the three major sources of, of natural diamonds in the world, uh, t- more than 25% of the GDP of Botswana comes from the diamond mining industry. Um, 80% of the value of every diamond stays in that market. And what that means is that, that um, you, you can, if you can imagine that any of those of, those of us living in, in Western countries where 25% of your GDP came from one industry that was heavily hit by a pandemic, that would be catastrophic. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what happens there, and then if you look at Botswana over the last 50 years, it's the fifth fastest growing economy in the world. And, and that comes through the proper management of the natural resources, ensuring that the, that the, um, that the value stays in the country where, where the, the resource originally comes from. And, um, and there are so many amazing statistics. You know, every child in Botswana is entitled to a free education. There's now 6,000 miles of paved roads. The, the wildlife is protected there. And so, so that's, that's the incredible part of this industry. Sustainability is about not causing damage uh, to the world through water pollution, through um, uh, carbon creation. Uh, and this industry is doing so much work to, to advance uh, them. But it's also about what is that creating for parts of the world where that don't have the same um, level of, of wealth that we do, and how can we develop these um, uh, in, in these countries? I was going to just say, it seems it's, but it seems strange that De Beers is kind of pulling a 180, and they said they're going to grow like half a million lab diamonds a year and market them to millennial consumers. Does that move seem kind of counterproductive to the NDC's mission? Um, not really. I mean, De, De Beers has got uh, significant expertise in diamonds and diamond jewelry. So, um, um, so it's, a, it's an app, they, they have a huge understanding of it. They have a huge uh, network around the world. Um, it's not something, to be honest, we actually interact with them very much about. Obviously, we're about promoting natural diamonds. We. Uh, for us, there's so much runway ahead of us in terms of the growth of, of natural diamond jewelry that actually lab-grown diamonds make up, you know, the best estimates are maybe three or four percent of the yeah. um, the U.S. market, and and there's that's not so much a threat as the potential opportunity to grow the the overall industry. So I don't really spend much time thinking about it. If I'm absolutely honest. Okay, that's good. Um, so in January, the Natural Diamond Council partnered with the jewelry designer of the stars, Lorraine Schwartz, to launch the Emerging Designers Diamond Initiative. And the program is providing $1 million worth of diamond credit to emerging Black, Indigenous, and people of color jewelry designers in the U.S. Could you talk a little bit about that program and how it came about and how it works? Yeah, I mean, it came about... Um... Obviously, the the Black Lives Matter movement stemming out of the the death of George Floyd uh, all happened around the time that we were launching the Natural Diamond Council, uh, and it was we and we and when I say we myself, our team, uh, associated partners were uh, it it was a um, it was a, a very important moment to look and say look, the world is wrong when it comes to accessibility 
uh, into privilege. We, we all in our jobs, and I would think most of the people listening to this podcast have had some degree of privilege to get where they are today. Uh, and even in some cases, just by living in the Western world, you have some degree um, of access that others don't. But, but that's easy to say. It's much more complicated to say, well, look, how can we play our part in resolving this? Um, it's a huge challenge. We all have limited resources relative to the, the scale of the challenge. So how can we really change that dynamic and say, what can we do that is um, that will allow people that haven't had that privilege to come into the diamond and diamond jewelry industry and and, and our, our industry, uh, you know, and we're all open and, and honest enough. A, a, a lot of our industry is, is, is family led. A lot of our supply chains are families that have been uh, have been passed from one generation to another. Same with a lot of independent retailers. And that it, it's not intended to keep people out, but it's just a nature of the dynamic of the industry. And, and so when we looked at this, it was kind of what are the what are the key points that are stopping talent coming into our industry? Um, and diversity of talent is important in any industry. Having different points of view on what you do is, is so important, but it's even more important in, in a creative industry. Um, if you want new ideas, if you want new innovation, you can't do that with having the same people producing the same thing year after year. So diversity is so important to it. So when we looked at this, it was kind of, well, well what, what are the barriers to entry and how can we reach as many people as we can rather than just giving a grant to one or two people? That's, that's not going to change our industry. How can we re reach out to as many people as we possibly can and give them access? And, and the, real, the, real, you know, the, the real elements are, are being able to give them access to credit. Um, the diamond industry manufacturers, uh, designers have to start with credit to be able to bring in diamonds and be able to produce jewelry to be able to sell. So it, it's a bit chicken and egg. If I don't have a business, how can I get the credit? Um, the second thing is mentorship. Um, clearly family businesses and, and people that have been in the industry a long time, it's the mentorship comes with being a part of it, but uh, it's a complicated industry. Um, uh, and so how and being able to provide young designers with with mentors and, and access to to people in the industry clearly as the natural diamond council and myself personally i have access to pretty much every leader in our industry um, and then that's the final thing is really the, the giving people connections when uh, understanding each of these young designers what do they have where are they struggling where do they need access are they getting into? They're getting through the doors of top retailers to be able to show their products. Are they getting through the doors of the top publishers to be able to, to um, to market and and PR their products? And these are all things that we can give value to. And uh, we're we're very fortunate to have the support of Lorraine, um, also to Jason Rempert and Nicole Chapoteau, who uh, who are on our jury as well. But um, we are we're very pleased with. Uh, we're delighted with the the people that have applied so far. It, it's exactly what we wanted: people with talent, but just needing the the support, the mentorship, the contacts to get in there. And also, we're very pleased that that all of our partners around the industry have you know have instantly volunteered their time and support to to help these young designers to give them a platform to to present their their creativity. When is the selection process end? 
it's not it's not a competition oh it's not a competition okay no, it's not a competition it's an ongoing uh, as we receive we meet every four to six weeks um we look at all the applications we uh we've just announced the first six applications uh the the, the people that that um fulfill the you know the ideas behind the program but the the program is ongoing um if we ever reach the limit from a financial point of view then you know we'll look and see if we can expand that but at the moment the doors are open and will remain open indefinitely for um for young designers to to come to us uh, and say look here's my thoughts here's my designs here's what i'm thinking for a business and sitting down with us and saying look here's how we can um you know here's how we can help you here's what we recommend um and and really and you know and, and it's not about the participation for us this is the the end objective is to have successful designers in our industry um from communities that haven't had the access before and success might be they've got their own collections it might be they've got their own direct to consumer retail site it, it might be just they find jobs with major brands major retailers but we just want their talent in our, in our industry and, and we'll we'll do everything we can to to support them and bring them through yeah it sounds like an amazing program and it seems like the diamond and jewelry industries have you know, a lot of work to do on the diversity inclusion front you know, both sectors are predominantly governed by you know mainly white men and both are heavily saturated with family businesses too so are you seeing progress being made Yes, um, I, I think uh, I think the intent is there. I think uh, I think the Black Lives Matter movement brought it to the front of attention. Uh, it should have come to our attention and been brought at scale long before, but it, it, it didn't. But but now it does. So I think the intent is there throughout our industry. There are many different bodies that have um, that are putting up scholarships or foundations or looking to support the community. Um, but the reality is, is really, are we going to walk the walk? This isn't for us. It's not just a philanthropic cause. It's we're insisting on partners actually believing in the cause also how they are within their own organizations, supporting, um, uh, black designers to come through in their own team. So for us, it, it's got to be integral in everything we do. It, this isn't just a, an optics from the outside and, and a philanthropic cause that sits on the side of what we do. It's about insisting that that all of our partners uh, and ourselves in what we do. It we, you know it starts with us looking at what we do and, and what more we can be doing. But it's um, it, it's it's for me it's in its infancy. I think there's great intent there, I, and I think that's I think it's genuine. It's now about making sure that this isn't just something that is that is of the moment, but it's something that just runs through the core of everything that we do. So late last year, the NDC launched its first ever celebrity campaign featuring actress Anna de Armas. The tagline was, for moments like no other. So what was the strategy behind that campaign? Yeah, it was really reflective of the insight that I, that I mentioned earlier on, which is that diamonds, and natural diamonds specifically, are about a moment. It's about whatever that moment is for the individual or the relationship is is diamonds reflective of that moment uh, in time and that's where the the campaign with anadamas was really about capturing those different moments whether it be a romantic moment whether it be a moment with friends or uh, one of the scenes featured her with her mother 
but it's really about what diamonds signify in the context of relationships and, and specifically moments. Um, and that's why we felt it, 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 it it's, so, um, it's so easily connected to sentiment during the pandemic. Uh, because clearly relationships were, were very top of mind for all of us. Um, but also we believe that we can continue with that as we come out of the pandemic because relationships still will be very strong. We've all missed friends, we've all missed connections and, um, and just being with people. And so uh, going into this year, we'll be, uh, we'll be coming out with a new campaign uh, later in the year, but very much tying in with the same uh, emotional value but maybe in a slightly different context uh, as we'll be, as the world hopefully will be coming out of this, this crazy crisis. Some of the largest diamond companies in the world have committed themselves to the UN's sustainability goals, aiming to contribute to the development of several communities. How does the natural diamond industry impact sustainability? Yeah, we, we, we use the UN sustainability goals as being our reference. Um, really because they tap into, they are the most complete set of goals that tap into all aspects of sustainability. And whether that be communities, whether it be about the planet, whether it be about the oceans, um, whether we are about people, about gender equality, um, the sustainability goals put together by the UN are the most complete set of goals. Uh, by being complete, they're clearly challenging. Um, because you're, you're, you're looking at yourselves uh, uh, on 17 different fronts, because there are 17 sustainability goals. Uh, but for us, they are a great uh, reference point against which to, to look at our industry. And, and that's, that's all aspects of our industry uh, in what we do. So, um, so we, we align ourselves with them our, on our website. We, we kind of demonstrate what we're doing to perform against each of them. And, uh, and, and it's great just having a central point of focus around which we, um, we can talk about this topic. And blood diamonds continue to be a major problem in the industry. You know, more and more diamond operators are using blockchain ledgers for tracing stones from the point they're mined right up to when they're sold to consumers. You know, this is hugely important part of the marketing process as consumers are increasingly becoming aware of issues surrounding conflict diamonds and demanding reassurance that stones they are buying as jewelry have been ethically sourced. Is the NDC supporting these blockchain-based traceability solutions? Yeah, I mean, just to, to put it in perspective, I know you refer to blood diamonds and conflict diamonds. I mean, the World Diamond Council... Uh, validates i think it's like 99.7 percent of of diamonds are, are are validated as not coming from conflict zones so in the context of the world diamond council um, the definition of conflict diamonds the 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 the, uh, the potential risk is is very very minimal um and and therefore and our industry not only looks at what we do, but also how we can help artisanal miners um, to be able to sell their goods into a validated supply chain. So it is a complicated industry. Uh, it's it, diamonds are sourced from really all around the world. And, um, but as I say, a huge, huge, it, it's, it's close to 100% of validators being conflict-free. Um, but, 
but the, the context of being traceable goes beyond that. Traceability is about saying who in the supply chain has touched this product that I'm buying and do they all carry the same ethical values, uh, follow the same sustainability goals as uh, that follow my personal values and whether that be someone who um, uh, who helps sort the rough diamonds, whether it's uh, an organization that cuts and polishes the diamonds, whether it's someone that makes the jewelry, whether it be a retailer, are they all, do they all share my values, um, both in terms of uh, the planet and the good that we should be giving back to? And so, so again, another long answer to your, uh, to your question, but um, in the case of diamonds, because it's it's a product that isn't packaged in the same way that hard goods normally are, it's more challenging. But there are there are a lot of opportunities coming through blockchain now. So the fact that the technology is now enabling um, diamonds to be identified from source all the way through to retail, the fact that those can then be traced using blockchain all the way through that supply chain. Um, is a is a critical new technology that enables us to uh, to give that to give the consumer that complete assurance that um, that all of the way that's come to be in that jewelry is uh, fits with their 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 values in the world. The NDC because we're not a, we are not a part of the supply chain specifically, so we are a little bit peripheral to it, but. All of our members are involved in, in blockchain and traceability. The major clients of, of the diamond jewelry industry around the world are, uh, are, are looking at different ways to integrate uh, blockchain technology. But I personally, I think it's a great thing. I think it's great. It's great whenever you can give that consumer that reassurance that every single part of this product from start to, to finish uh, you have that that eye into the industry and can see who's um, who's 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 been a part of bringing that creation to life. So, David, my final question is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. So, if you were stranded on a deserted island and you could only have one luxury item with you, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation or anything that requires mobile service. What is that one single luxury item that you would have with you? Yeah, I, I, I can't be cliched with this, Scott. So I, I, I would love to say a diamond, but, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but you know, uh, but for me, if I can't take another human being, I'm not good in my own company. I like my own company for a short period of time, but I'm not good in my own company. So if I can't take another human being, I'd love to take a dog with me, preferably my dog, but I would just, if I'm going to be on an island stuck on my own, I, I would love the company of, uh, of a dog with me. Very nice. David Kelly, Chief Executive Officer of the Natural Diamond Council. Thank you so much for joining me on The Luxury Item. My pleasure, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. That's it for this episode of The Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.